You know, when people think about the book of Revelation, they automatically think about the end times. But the book of Revelation also has a lot to say to the church of the past and today, and also is really about the unveiling of the majestic person of Jesus Christ. If you want to know who Jesus is, stay tuned, because we're going to find out more about him and his plan for the church and the world today on Walk in Truth. These are the teachings of Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. Before we get started with today's message, we want to let you know that this is a listener-supported ministry. Call with your gift at 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Do you remember when God manifested his power in the tabernacle and even on Mount Sinai, there were clouds associated with it. And it was called the glory cloud. Remember that? And so uh, you often hear the Shekinah glory. What is that? It's the manifest presence of God. It's, it's some way in which you can tangibly see and sense the presence of God. And he's coming with the clouds. I think here, glory clouds. I want you to turn to the book of Daniel. So you're going to go to your Old Testament. And here's where we're going to see an important allusion, although it's almost really a quotation, Daniel 7. And it's found in verses 13 and 14. And I want you to take a look at this language because it's, it, it's going to have an impact on where we're headed, which I don't think we're going to get to tonight. But Daniel 7 is a key passage, and I would encourage you that you um, make sure you've marked this because it comes up over and over and over again. Daniel 7, verse 13. I kept looking in the night visions. By the way, it's been said that the book of Daniel is kind of the Old Testament equivalent to the book of Revelation in the New Testament. In, in the sense of being prophetic. I kept looking in the night visions, Daniel seven thirteen, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like a son of man was coming. He came up to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and men of every language might serve him his dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away, and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. Behold, 7.13 of Daniel, with the clouds of heaven, one like the Son of Man is coming. How often did Jesus describe himself as the Son of Man in the New Testament? Over and over again. He's called Son of God, but we know that on many occasions, he said, he called himself the Son of Man. When people see that, they say, well, what does that mean? It's actually, even though you could say he's son of God, he's divine, and he's son of man, he's human, 100% God, 100% man. Son of man is actually more specifically a messianic title of divinity. It actually comes from Daniel 7, 13, and it references this one who comes and has this incredible dominion and power and authority. Jesus is coming with the clouds. In the book of Matthew, if you turn there, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Matthew 24, the famous Olivet Discourse, Jesus says this, and I believe he's referring to his second coming, although we do have some scholars who debate this. Matthew 24, said in the context of the second coming of Christ, he says these words, verse 30, Matthew 24, verse 30. 
He says, and then the sign of the Son of Man, you can note Daniel 7.13 again, Matthew 24.30, will appear in the sky. And all the tribes of the earth, reminiscent of Revelation 1.7, will mourn. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with what? With power and great glory. Now, I think there's going to be two reactions to the second coming of Jesus Christ. One is going to be, uh uh-oh. And one is going to be, oh, yeah. How do you like that for simplicity tonight? Which camp are you in? Uh Uh-oh. Or, oh, yeah. Okay. In Revelation 6, we have some... uh, Similar imagery, Revelation 6, back to our book, Revelation 6. To look ahead just for a moment, as John is describing the seals being broken, he has gotten to the sixth seal. And he says, and I looked, Revelation 6, 12, when he broke, the lamb broke the sixth seal, there was a great earthquake and the sun became black as sackcloth made of hair. The whole moon became like blood. The stars of the sky, Revelation 6.13, fell to the earth as a fig tree casts its unripe figs when shaken by a great wind. The sky was split apart like a scroll when it is rolled up and every mountain and island moved out of their places. Keep reading. The kings of the earth and the great men and the commanders and the rich and the strong, every slave and free man, hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. And they said to the mountains and to the rocks, here's the reaction of group A, the uh uh-oh group. Fall on us and hide us from the presence of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come, and who is able to stand? I can tell you this if you want to stand on that day and you want to be kept from stumbling, you must be cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. He's coming with the clouds. Now, there are some folks, and I think it's worth showing you this. Go to Isaiah 19, Isaiah 19, who say that these references to the coming of the Lord do not always speak of a literal second coming. I'll show you an example of their argument. I'll leave it to you to wrestle with this a little bit more. But here's an oracle. It's a weighty message spoken against Egypt in Isaiah 19. Here's the language. The oracle concerning Egypt, behold, Isaiah 19.1, the Lord is riding on a swift cloud, is about to come to Egypt. The idols of Egypt will tremble at his presence. The heart of the Egyptians will melt within them. So, the Lord says, I will incite Egyptians against Egyptians. They will each fight against his brother, each against his neighbor, city against city, kingdom against kingdom, The spirit of the Egyptians, Isaiah 19.3, will be demoralized within them. I will confound their strategy so that they will resort to idols and ghosts of the dead and to mediums and spiritists. Moreover, I will deliver the Egyptians into the hand of a cruel master and a mighty king will rule over them, declares the Lord God of hosts. Here's the argument. Some say, well, when you have this kind of imagery, it doesn't always mean a literal second coming. It means that maybe God's going to show up through an invading army like Assyria or Babylon and mete out his justice through an army. 
And so this is simply symbolic language is the argument. Now, I want you to be aware of this because you need to be able to take in the full scope of how people are interpreting the book. I'll just say this. Here's my view. I believe that in Revelation 1-7 and the other passages we'll look at that are clearly second coming passages, that's exactly what they are. But I do think this, that sometimes in Old Testament passages you have foreshadowings of the day of the Lord or foreshadowings of the second coming of Christ, namely the day of the Lord. And remember how I told you, even in the book of Joel, there's a locust invasion and the locust invasion is a foreshadowing or it's a picture of the day of the Lord in embryo. Remember when we talked about that? I think that this is one of the cases. Now, you'll see, if you look at the end of uh, Isaiah 19, and there are people who believe the whole of Isaiah 19 is actually prophetic for the future. But it says this, In that day, 1919, there will be an altar to the Lord in the midst of the land of Egypt and a pillar to the Lord near its border. It will become a sign... Pay pay special attention to the phrase in that day, by the way. It's in verse 18 and 19. Um, It will become a sign and a witness to the Lord of hosts in the land of Egypt, for they will cry to the Lord because of oppressors, and he will send them a savior and a champion, and he will deliver them. Thus the Lord will make himself known to Egypt, and the Egyptians will know the Lord in that day. They will even worship with sacrifice and offering and will make a vow to the Lord and perform it. And the Lord will strike Egypt, striking but healing. So they will return to the Lord and he will respond to them and he will heal them. In that day, there will be a highway from Egypt to Assyria. And the Assyrians will come into Egypt and the Egyptians into Assyria. And the Egyptians will worship with the Assyrians. In that day, Israel will be the third party with Egypt and Assyria, a blessing in the midst of the earth, whom the Lord of hosts has blessed, saying, blessed is Egypt, notice, my people, and Assyria, the work of my hands, and Israel, my inheritance. Certainly, last day's implications here, as we look at the Bible, go back to Revelation, and we'll finish with verse 8 tonight. Revelation 1, 8. But this is the both a symbolic imagery, and I'll just say this, when you practice a literal principle of interpretation, what you are doing is saying, I'm going to take the Bible in the sense in which it is intended. Remember that? So when it's clearly symbolism, we'll take it as symbolism. When it's maybe even dual prophecy, I I don't think that in many of these instances, it's hard to figure out. In Revelation 1-7, it says, every eye will see him, those who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn over him, even so, amen. Just write in your margin there, Zechariah 12.10. It says these words. And I will pour out on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplication, so that they will look on me whom they have pierced, and they will mourn for him as one mourns for an only son. They will weep bitterly over him like the bitter weeping over a firstborn. Zechariah 12.10. And finally, for tonight, these words following this um, imagery of the coming of Christ, verse 8. I am the Alpha and the Omega. Now, the Alpha, Alpha and the Omega is the first and last letters of the Greek alphabet. The equivalent in Hebrew is the Aleph Tav. If you want to spell it out, it's A-L-E-P-H. Tav is T-A-V. The first and last letters of the Hebrew alphabet 
We could say that God is declaring, I am the A to Z. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. You can now listen to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance wherever you go and whenever you want. That's because Walk in Truth can now be heard on your favorite podcast app. Apps like iPodcast, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and much more. Simply open up your favorite podcast app and search Walk in Truth. Make sure you subscribe so you'll know when a new show is available. Thanks for listening and partnering with Walk in Truth. Visit the Walk in Truth store today to get the Revelation DVD series by Pastor Michael Lance. The book of Revelation reveals the person and work of Jesus Christ and how he speaks to his church in both words of commendation and correction. This book will give you a unique glimpse into heaven and the worship that happens there. It also reveals the future. We see the seven-sealed scroll, the four horsemen of the apocalypse, and many other intriguing truths that expose God's plan for planet Earth, the unbelieving world, and his church. Join Michael Lance in a DVD series of this dramatic, often sobering book. Visit the Walk-In Truth store today to order your copy of the DVD teaching The Mark of the Beast, The Seven Seals, and The New Heaven and New Earth. All available to help you dive deeper into the book of Revelation. Visit walkintruth.com today. That's walkintruth.com. Click on store. Now back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. The equivalent in Hebrew is the Aleph Tav. If you want to spell it out, it's A-L-E-P-H. Tav is T-A-V. The first and last letters of the Hebrew alphabet. We could say that God is declaring, I am the A to Z. And those who study this language say, it means and everything else in between. I am B and C and X and Y as well. I'm everything. I'm the beginning, the middle, and the end. I'm the Alpha and the Omega. Remember, he's establishing his authority to assure his people and to obviously speak to their situation. Says the Lord God, notice who is and who was and who is to come. Here's the word pontecrator, the Almighty in Hebrews, El Shaddai. I am the omnipotent, almighty God. Knox has this as, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning of all things and their end. Scholars say this phrase speaks of timeless sovereignty. He outlasts all things, anything on the earth. He is mighty. The first and the last is an equivalent uh, phrase. When you see the first and the last, it's simply another way of saying the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end. The Aleph Tav. The A to Z. That's what Jesus is. Now look at, that's what God is, but Jesus is part of the triune uh, God. Look at Revelation 1.17. John, and we'll have this for next week, he says, when I saw him, John says, I fell at his feet as a dead man. And he laid his right hand upon me and he said, do not be afraid. And John heard that many times during Jesus' earthly ministry, right? Don't be afraid. I am what? I'm the first and the last. And the living one, I was what? Dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and of Hades. Jesus Christ has to be the subject here Because God the Father didn't die. Jesus did, right? And Jesus says, I'm the first and I'm the last. 
I was dead, and I am alive again. And so this first and last phrase, and we'll, we'll close with this, but I have a little bit to show you. Revelation 22, skip all the way to the end. Revelation 22, look at verse 12. Revelation 22, 12 says, Behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me, to render to every man according to what he has done. Revelation 22, 13. I am the Alpha and the Omega. What's your Bible say there? Or the first, the first and the last, and the beginning and the end. You see how they all connect? To say Alpha and Omega is to say first and last. It's to say the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life, which will be in the New Jerusalem, and may enter the gates of the city. Uh, flip over to Revelation 2. Look at verse 8. Revelation 2.8. As Jesus addresses the churches through John, many of the descriptors in chapter 1 are reintroduced at the opening addresses to the churches. In Revelation 2.8, it says, to the angel of the church of Smyrna, right? The first and the last who was what? Dead and has come to life says this. So you can see that Alpha and Omega, first and last, are all Jesus. Now go away, go back to Revelation 22, sorry. <laughs> Revelation 22, look at verse 16. I, Jesus, this, I'm showing you this because it drives Jehovah's Witnesses crazy. <laughs> I, Jesus, have sent my angel, 2216, to testify to you these things for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star, Revelation 22, 20. He who testifies to these things uh, 2220, yet says, yes, I am coming quickly, amen. Come who? Lord Jesus. Now, before we close, to the book of Isaiah, three verses, and the preacher promises were done. <laughs> Isaiah 41. Now, remember I told you that of all the books of the Old Testament, Isaiah 41, the most allusions are to the book of Isaiah. Here's several of them, just in rapid fire. 41.4. Who has performed and accomplished it, calling forth the generations from the beginning? I, who? The Lord. Whenever you see the Lord capitalized, that is Y-H-W-H. That is the divine name. It's not Adonai. It's Yahweh or some people say Jehovah, but the best, closest we have is YHWH. So all caps Lord is the name of God. I, Yahweh, am what? The first, and with the last, I am he. Now go over to 44.6, Isaiah. 44.6. It says, thus says the Lord, the King of Israel and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. I am the first and I am the last and there's what? There's no God besides me. My point is this, guys, as you, and go to 48 and we'll finish it. Isaiah 48. <laughs> Pretty soon you can say, we don't believe you, Pastor Michael. 48, 11. For my own sake, by the way, I was planning to go all the way to verse 20 tonight. So that shows you, uh, it's not gonna happen anyway. For my own sake, for my own sake, 4811, I will act for how can my name be profaned? My glory I will not give to another. 
Listen to me, O Jacob, even Israel, whom I called. I am he, I am the first, and I am also the last. Surely my hand founded the earth, my right hand spread out the heavens when I called to them. They stand together. Attention! (laughs) And creation goes, yes, master. That's who Jesus is. The creator, the sustainer of the universe, and the sustainer of his church. And this church here in Revelation 1 was saying, God, are you there? We're going through trials. There's a crazy emperor on the throne. Christians are dying and and being threatened and losing a lot. And Jesus says, hang on. I'm king of kings and Lord of lords. Father, we are grateful tonight for the book of Revelation as we look at the powerful testimony of the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. You, Lord, are the beginning, you are the end, and you are the middle. You started this, you sustain it, and you will sum it up. And thank you that you've made us part of your plan. In fact, the Bible says you made us in your image. As you made the world and everything in it, some six million forms of plants and animals, incredible design and beauty, the one thing that you made in your image is the men and women that are here tonight those who will listen to my voice at a later time. We have great value. And Lord, not only did you make us in your image, but you came to rescue us. And this book says you're coming again, and you're going to judge the living and the dead at your appearing. And you're coming in power and great glory. And the Bible says that every eye will see you. It will be like a lightning flash from the east to the west. It won't be hidden in a corner. And there will be some who say, "Uh uh-oh, and there will be some who say, oh, yeah. And Lord, you tell us, look up, for your redemption is drawing near. Lord, we don't know when these things will occur. We don't know when the events of the second coming will come to to stand, whether it will happen in our generation or not. But one thing we do know, we have a personal eschatology. We have our own meeting that will happen with you, Lord. And what we want to hear is well done, good and faithful servant. Help us to be faithful. You have been faithful to us. Help us to be faithful to you. And for that saint who's maybe wondering, you know, is Jesus really God? Is he the Christ? Is he the one that I should look to and Is he going to hold on to me in his right hand are the seven lampstands? And I believe that's a sign that he won't won't let us go. So, Father, I just pray that you'd encourage the saints tonight, bless them, strengthen them, anchor their walk, their roots ever deeper with you. Amen and amen again. You know, as we study this revelation of Jesus Christ and revelation from Jesus Christ. My prayer is that you're drawing closer to the Lord and that this teaching in Revelation is helping you do just that. Well, hey, I'm Pastor Michael Lance. I am grateful that you are listening to our teaching in the book of Revelation. It's an incredible book. And if you go to the store at walkintruth.com, we have teachings of very specific parts of Revelation on CD and DVD. There's one about the seven seals. There's another describing the new heaven and the new earth. And of course, there's a teaching even on the mark of the beast, which, 
you know, is always a controversial, interesting subject to study. Now, if you'd like to get access to these videos, this teaching, you can click on the store at walkintruth.com. Now, you know, I love that you are listening to Walk in Truth. It means a lot to our whole team that you are partnering with us, that you're gaining information, that you're growing in your walk with Jesus. But if you're not in fellowship, radio is no substitute for fellowship. And I think that it is time that you change that. It's time that you get into a church and begin to participate in the life of a local body. It's really important. Now, if you're near the city of Corona and you're willing to make the journey out to Corona, and we'd love for you to do that, come spend some time with us as you come out to Living Truth Christian Fellowship. Walk in Truth is a ministry of this church, and I have the privilege of serving as senior pastor. Now, we have both men's and women's Bible studies. We have youth groups. We have things for the kids, and we also have regular church services. On Wednesday nights, we're going through the incredible book of Job. The title of that series is The Problem of Evil and the power of the gospel. And the book of Job is ever relevant with our broken world, so many tragedies going on. How do we make sense of it? How do we understand what God is doing and figure out how we find refuge in the gospel of Jesus? You can come out on Wednesday nights, 7 o'clock, and that's at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona. We're located at 1009 Arsenal Way, 1009 Arsenal Way in Corona. Now, if you'd like to stay updated on the church activities, you can download our Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on the App Store. Just search Living Truth, look for the red logo with the pillars. So, Living Truth in your App Store. Now, come back tomorrow as we'll continue in Revelation chapter 1 called The Unveiling. Until then, may God richly bless you. We'll see you then. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, encouraging you to reach out with God's truth to all people. 